Uh, all right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm thankful to be with you guys. Jeff built up my my mystery identity a little bit as earlier this year. Uh, and, um, because I've I feel like uh, do costume on. Back then, <laughs> so you guys can relax. See, I'm excited to be here. He invited me back, um, so it's on him. Go well. My wife, he wasn't able to come with me last time because. Uh, we had a, our son was sick, and that was almost this time too. Our son's always getting over being sick. That's just having a yeah. Uh, I think she's really pretty. Um, <laughs> we've been uh, together for ten years. We started dating when we were eighteen. We've been married for four years. And I tricked her into marrying me, and, and she's she's stuck in this position. And for me, it's a great thing. For her, it's a so-so thing. Um, anyway, uh, she's also she used to be a high school teacher as well. So she she was a high school teacher for four years, and um, she loves high school students. Like they have a special place in her. I personally, don't get it. You know, um, I'm kidding. I like high school students as well. I'm excited to be here. Um, we're both excited to be able to hang out with you guys this morning. Uh, before we get to our, uh, our message, Bible, okay? So you guys just feel free to shout out the answer if you think you know it. Uh, this first one should be an easy one for you. How many um, original disciples were there of Jesus Christ? Maybe this is, maybe this is a trick question. Nope, it was 12. You guys are right. <laughs> there was 12 original. Easy, easy, easy question for this group, yeah. Um, okay, question two. It's a little bit harder, but I think we still probably know the answer to it. Uh, of the original 12 disciples, which two are mentioned the most throughout Scripture, and specifically our New Testaments? Anybody else have any other guesses? So we're locking it in with Peter and John. All right. And the answer is Peter and John. You're correct. Give it up. Nice job, man. Okay. (laughs) Okay, guys, let's let's listen in, all right? right. Let's talk about Peter and John here just for a minute, just for fun, all right? So uh, John, first we're going to talk about John. John shows up throughout Scripture. His name shows up 130 times. Or right around that. Okay? Now, there's more than one John in our New Testaments, right? There's, there's multiple Johns. There's, there's That's one John. Uh, and then was a disciple of Jesus Christ, who is also the brother of another disciple, whose name is James. That's right. My 
smart wife got that one. Um, yeah, John is brothers with James, and James is the third most mentioned disciple. <coughs> uh, both these guys being uh, and Jesus giving these two guys the, the nickname the sons of which is a pretty cool nickname to get from God. If I if if that walk with you. I'm good, just sons of thunder. Um, and funny enough, John goes on to write one of the, th- the one of the four Gospels that we have in our New Testaments, and then he begins to reference himself as the disciple right, which is kind of a conceited name to give yourself, right? Especially after you get the nickname. Peter, okay, let's switch over to Peter now. Uh, Simon, but there was a Simon amongst the twelve disciples. So I don't know. I, for whatever reason, we're just this one. This Peter just went by Peter, or this just went by uh, the most. Um, shows up a hundred fifty-six times. Okay, and there's only two other people's names who show up more than Peter's in our New Testaments, one of which is the Apostle Paul, but he's not a part of the original 12, and then Jesus is, which shows up. Active in Jesus' ministry. And a lot, a lot, he, a lot, he, he inserted himself into situations a lot. And at that, there was a lot Thanks, Peter. Bible study. I lead a I lead a Bible study in Kaya. In the room when when there's something that's on happening, he's the guy that's sitting in the room thinking the back of his. Nobody in this right now, and there's I'm gonna get up that guy down be subdued in a matter of seconds. I'm going to look like a hero. The next main service, they're going to recognize me as being such before the whole church. That's Peter. And if, I, and if we're being honest with ourselves, guys, the uh, last because guys are you know, like that that for another other disciples, right? Other disciples whose names show up as little as two, six times throughout. Okay? Thaddeus. Thaddeus got two mentions throughout our New Testament. Two times. You hear Thaddeus' name. Some of you just heard Thaddeus' name for the first time when I said it out loud. Right? We don't, all, all of us don't know who Thaddeus was or what he did. Um, so does that make Thaddeus less important? You know, need Thaddeus as his disciple if he's only going to do if he's going to do so little that he only be brought up two times. Um, I saw some of you shaking their head no to my question. 
And he purposes to have every one of his followers do the work of the ministry, regardless of how many times they show up throughout history or how many times they're mentioned in Scripture. You know, every follower of Jesus Christ has an opportunity to make an in Jesus's in Jesus's of of a lot of regardless of how small our personalities are, confidence or how we may be, right? In or closed off we are. You know, God can and will to reach people that He knows only you could reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today, guys, we're going to twelve disciples. We talked about one of them, uh, but the one that we're going to be of this very his individuals as his followers um, exactly how he knows that they can be used um, as long as and this is the important part is they are willing to be used alright so I'm going to pray um, and then we're going to actually get into this character study okay God and with real personalities and that we can they would recognize to change and uh, that they would do lay down the things that bring them back they they would make changes uh, that nope it's Andrew I said I said a disciple that we haven't talked about yet talked about Peter a lot Okay, so Andrew, all right? Andrew is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ, and we're going to be using him as an example for the rest of my time up here today to, to gain a better understanding of how disciples of Jesus Christ should operate. And by operate, I mean they should go about doing the work that Jesus Christ has, has given us. Okay? But before we do that, <clears throat> I want to make sure we understand what a disciple of Jesus Christ actually is. And I'm not, I'm not under the impression that the people in this room don't know what a disciple of Jesus Christ is. But there are some key things before we get into that. So, a few things that a disciple of Jesus Christ uh, should be. Uh, first and foremost is a disciple of Jesus Christ is a minister of the gospel. Okay? And a minister is synonymous as meaning like a servant or an assistant. The first time we see the word minister show up in scripture is in, the, is in, uh, is in reference to Joshua. And Joshua was the minister of Moses. He was, he was Moses' assistant. Um, so, uh, you know, if we're, if we're servants to something, if we are assistants to it, then what we're doing is we're, we're giving ourselves over to whatever it is we're serving or assisting, right? And that's the gospel work. So that, that would make uh, ministers of the gospel are doers of the gospel work. They carry out the mission. Um, and, you know, by by way of nature in doing that, they are active in living out their faith. So a disciple of Jesus Christ is active 
anything else of Jesus Christ. Students. Okay, they are students. And what is do they they take words. They are observers of his actions, soldiers in his mission, right? They get their their hands dirty. They're, they've got boots on the ground. They're engaging in the work of Jesus Christ. That's exactly how Andrew chose to live his life. Uh, and you can see that throughout throughout the times that he gets brought up in Scripture. Okay, so let's take a look at Andrew. First thing we want to know is that Andrew was a fisherman by trade. Okay, so if we look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and Mark chapter 1, verse 16... Uh, we have these two verses here. Uh, Matthew 4.18 says, And Jesus walked Simon Peter and Andrew his brother to the sea, for they were fishers. Mark 16, or Mark chapter 1 says something very He walked Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Okay, so they were fishers. Testaments. Um, Peter, various reasons, 156 times in our New Testaments. Andrew's name, on the other hand, 12 times throughout all our Bibles. He didn't have nearly any mentions. That, um, talk about living in your brother's shadow a little bit, right? Um, yeah, there's no doubt. Um, you know, it goes without saying as we read on past the four Gospels and get further into our New Testaments that, uh, especially as we get into the book of Acts, that Peter was this guy who had a huge impact as a leader uh, and he played a major role in establishing the church. Like, um, after Jesus left the earth, Peter kind of took charge of, of leading the disciples in a lot of ways. Um, and it's also needless to say that Andrew's role in establishing the church wasn't as obviously... Uh, impact as, as well known. It's absolutely not as well known as his brothers or even many of the other early uh, disciples. You know, he was, he was quieter. He was less rambunctious. He had to have been, right? We don't read about him cutting off a Roman guard's ear, you know, in the middle of... Um, and again, we're talking about real people. Personality. Um, and the reality of it is Andrew's personality was just a bit more tame than his brother Peter's personality. But I want to point out that what we do know about Andrew helps us identify these character qualities that should be life of a true And early on we were seeing them in Andrew when we weren't you know, even seeing them in Peter. Um, regardless of, of how many times he was written, uh, mentioned throughout, throughout Scripture, or what he was like, and to his brother, like we see these character qualities in him. And the truth is, guys, as much as I sort of compare, this does like in comparison 
to someone all that much. It's not, he doesn't, I mean, that's not Jesus' focus uh, on individuals. Jeff are not the same individual. Um, we're not. I decided that I was like, Jeff's a cool He's fruitful. He's a good husband. He's a good father. He, he, he wears cool clothes. Got nice, nice like, sh- shiny hair. Um, I think be just like Jeff. I'm going to do everything the exact way Jeff does it. Um, I would actually, that would be a detriment to, to the things that this wants to use me to do, right? That would be the case. Um, now, I can connect with Jeff on uh, a lot of different things. We can, we can see eye to eye on things. We can work together with our, with our differences, whatever they may be. But, but it's actually our uniqueness as individuals that God is interested in for the sake of his mission. It's, it's our uniqueness it's that in some ways we are all dissimilar. Andrew was unique. You know, one thing that made Andrew unique was how he desired so greatly to spend time with men that were noticeably men who just looked different from the rest of the world. All right? And also men who were following after Jesus Christ. It's interesting, even before Jesus Christ had fully engaged in his ministry out in the four Gospels, Baptist. Um, he was a disciple to to somebody else. Um, we see in the gospel, or in, in John chapter one verse forty, actually, um, we read it here. It says, "One of the two which heard John speak." Okay, so this John that's being talked about is John the Baptist. Um, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Always got to add that on, right? Simon Peter's brother. Um, so John the Baptist, who's he? He's this guy that had for being quite strange uh, and looked quite different from the rest of the world. He wore animals, wouldn't cut his hair. He, you know, he like he uh, like a homeless person, and that's because he was a homeless person he in the wilderness. Is one of the things he did, and he loved to eat insects. He, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, he was eating locusts. You know, that, that was his meal um, so he, but he was he was a, like a, a spiritual authority on earth at this time and he was message and his message wasn't uh, you know like the religions that the Pharisees would have been communicating um, obsessed with like the Jewish whatever I was being preached about in the synagogue that week his message was rather a proposition, and, it, and it, was, it was a proposition to anyone who would hear him. John's message was this. It was, make straight the way of the Lord. Um, make straight the way of the Lord. We read that as being John the Baptist's message in all four of the Gospels. He wanted people to engage in preparing the way for the coming Messiah. And it's, and it's not just a physical preparation that we're talking about. He wasn't build a brick road for the Messiah to walk on. He's talking about preparation... In, of spirituality, you know, a preparation hearts of the people. Andrew did not question the message he was preaching, you know, which most people at the time were like, get this dude away from me, he stinks. You know, certain people were, were, were hearing his message, but a lot of people weren't. Um, Andrew rather followed after him and desired to learn of what he was teaching, which brings us to uh, another really of Andrew, and that's that he was teachable. He was a teachable guy, and that's something that we should take note of. Okay, 
he was so much, you know, so much so, he was teachable that at the moment that John, that John the Baptist announced to his disciples, he said in John chapter 1, verse 36, Behold, the Lamb of God, right? He sees Jesus walking and he, and he says this, he announces it. That's the Messiah. That's literally the guy that I've been saying we need to make straight the way of the Lord for this entire time. Um, Andrew would obediently begin to follow after Jesus Christ. And he goes on to spend a day with him um, for the very first time. You know, Andrew knew who he should be following. So, you know, John the Baptist's ministry. You know, he made it a point to follow after Jesus Christ. My first key point. Number one. Disciple of Jesus must be ready and willing to follow and be taught by godly men and women. Okay? A disciple of Jesus Christ must be ready and willing to follow and be taught by godly men and women. Disciples have to be obedient and teachable. They have to be. You know, which, which actually requires a, a prerequisite called humility. There's, there's, a, there's a level of being humble, which isn't an easy thing to do. We have to set aside what we think we know, what we hope the teaching is going to be like, whatever it may be, and we have to, we have to be humble. We have to approach God's Word and, and the people that God has put in our lives from a place of humility. Um, so we should ask ourselves, are, are, are you guys teachable? Are you guys are you Are you prone to to argue? Do you have issues with authority? Do you, do you, do you think about being being taught and following somebody and think, you know, I don't follow, or maybe maybe I should be following. You know, these are questions we have to ask. Okay, so Andrew gets the opportunity to meet Jesus Christ, right? He gets the opportunity to meet Jesus Christ. And as we continue to read on about his actions and his decisions going forward, we find out that he goes on to do what any good disciple does. Um, the natural output of, 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 getting, of getting to know things about Jesus Christ, of being his student, is, is sharing it. He evangelizes. That's, that's, uh, that's Andrew's you know, immediate reaction. We see in this passage in John chapter 1, verses 38 through 42, but specifically in verses 41 and 42, that after following Jesus for a day and answering Jesus' invitation to come and see where he dwelt. So Jesus invites him, you know, in this moment where John the Baptist presents him. Um, he says, come and see. Like, they, they want to know where he lives. So he invites him to spend that time with him. And then Andrew immediately goes and finds his brother, Peter, and claims out loud without shame or consideration for how this might sound, and this was something that wasn't just being claimed, you know, at random during this point in time. He says, we have found the Messiah. You know, and what Messiah goes on to mean is, um, is Christ. We've found the Messiah. Um, and he didn't stop at, at simply claiming this amazing news to his brother. He took the extra step, and what we read is that he brought him to Jesus. You know, and this is such a significant thing because, because of Andrew's t- desire to share Jesus with somebody he cared for, his brother. Uh, Peter as we know, would go on to be used greatly in establishing so much of the Lord's work from there on. It took some, you know, you know, uh, softening out the edges of the guy, but eventually he would go on to do that. 
We know this because we have the Bible in full. There's no way Andrew could have known this, right? Andrew didn't know what Peter was going to be, you know, used and how he was going to be used by Jesus. Um, but we know. So, th- I mean, knowing how Jesus used Peter, this is like one of the most significant moments of evangelism that's taken place in history, right? <clears throat> and that's the thing, guys. We never know how Christ is going to use someone that we introduce to him. And we don't have to know. We never know. You know, somebody that, that you guys evangelize to today might be the T, you know, down the road. We just, we don't know how God's going to use somebody. So, so we, you know, we can't hesitate to introduce people to Christ. Now, this wouldn't be the, uh, the only time that we see Andrew introduce people to Jesus either. In John chapter 6, verses 8 through 12, we read about Jesus and his disciples at the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, are you guys familiar with, with this story? Yeah. Yeah, so Jesus, you know, he's got a multitude of people. He's been teaching them. They've been following him. And, uh, and they're hungry. They're, they're, and it's, and it's 5,000 people. And Jesus wants to take care of them. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to feed them. He's being hostile. So, um, so this, this scene starts out with Jesus posing this question to him. And, uh, John says, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Okay? So he's asking the question, Hey, how are we going to get food to feed these people? Um... So the disciples begin to brainstorm. And mixed in with that brainstorming is a lot of doubting. Doubting amongst themselves that they would be able to with the resources they had. And they didn't really have any resources. That was the thing. And, I, and you know, I've got resources. I'm in a position where I can, I can feed some people if they come into my home. But I've never been in a position where I would be able to feed 5,000 people with the resources that I have. So it's so a reasonable doubt from a human perspective, right? They're like, oh my gosh, to feed 5,000 versus And two small fishes, but what so many? Okay, and then Jesus goes on to tell the tell the crowd to um, to sit down. <clears throat> so uh, Andrew's solution requires boy from the crowd to Jesus personally, <clears throat> who's got some food. Got some. Food. We find out from John's Gospel exclusively. That it's from this boy that Jesus received the five loaves and two fishes that would be used to feed those 5,000 people. Um, and we also read that Andrew himself in verse 9, he, he doubts that this is going to be any good to bring before Jesus. He says, but, but what are they among so many? Again, reasonable question. His doubts to not bring that potential solution before Jesus. He still does it. Um, he simply introduces someone to the creator of all resources, right? God made everything. Jesus made everything. He introduces him to Jesus. And Jesus has his way with the situation. And again, in this passage, we see someone that introduced to Jesus be used mightily for furthering his ministry. 
Okay, can you imagine if Andrew in this real situation was like, kid, this is not, like, go away. We need a real solution here. I'm not bringing this before these guys and before Jesus. No, instead, you know, he does, he does what Andrew does. things that Jesus did in his ministry. People know about Jesus, he fed 5,000 people with hardly any yeah, he does, he does miracles. Another mention uh, about Andrew that we see through the Gospel of John where uh, we see Andrew introduce a group of people to Jesus uh, is in John chapter 12 verses 20 through 22. Okay? John chapter 12, verses 20 through 22. So this, right before this moment happens, this is, this is the, uh, these, situation where Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on, on, the, on the back of a colt, right? And he's being welcomed into the city, uh, like with a king's welcoming, with a huge parade. People are calling him the son of David. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool and significant fulfillment of prophecy that we read about. Jesus. They want to meet Jesus. They're telling Philip this. Philip, Andrew. And again, Jesus. Okay, so an interesting... See here, they first approached another disciple, Philip. To see Jesus, turn takes some 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 good action. Takes him to to Andrew, and he's like, "Hey, Andrew, these guys they want to meet Jesus." And maybe maybe Philip did that because he knew Andrew's like a guy who just brings everybody to Jesus. But that's exactly what happened. Andrew doesn't hesitate in this moment to bring a group of Gentiles, non-Jewish people, to his Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it didn't matter that they were of a different culture. In a different inheritance. It didn't matter that they all knew that Jesus' ministry was primarily focused on the nation of Israel during this time. None of that mattered. He still took the without hesitation. And this is why we have so much to learn from Andrew, guys. Like us specifically, like the, the church age, the modern day church age, current like believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Um, he's an awesome example for the modern day church age believer and have about sharing Jesus Christ with all nations. You know, all nations faith with his brother Peter and stop there, did he? Which for some of us that like some of us come to the Lord and we're like, man, tell my family and my friends. Now I'm gonna just like I'm gonna sit and be comfortable. Right, the day after I got saved, I immediately told my mom, "Like, hey, I've made this decision. I believe." Um, and then I told a, a group of my closest friends, and 
I just got carried. Because they all like, like just questioning and setting and uh, and then for two Christ would faith with people on to share his faith with people that he wouldn't have even associated himself with at any point prior to that moment. Right? They didn't have good relationships. They didn't hang out had seen the heart of Christ and what he knew is the mindset that said everyone needs to meet my Lord and Savior. Everyone. All nations. And that takes me to my second key point. A disciple of Jesus Christ must be ready and willing to introduce anyone to their God without hesitation. Disciples of Jesus Christ have to be evangelistic at their core. Throw that to me. Thank you. Okay. Disciples of Jesus Christ have to be evangelistic at their core. They do. There's an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with somebody especially with somebody who's asking to know him. These Greek men, they were saying like, hey, we want to know. We want to know Jesus. Like, we don't have room prejudice about whether associate with that. I'm a skateboarder. I've been a skateboarder since I was a little kid. My ministry does not look like me just telling skateboarders about Jesus Christ. I've successfully helped one skateboarder become a follower of Jesus Christ in six years. Thank God for that. Otherwise, like Magic the Gathering, which I don't know how to play Magic the Gathering whatsoever. And Kaya is kind of split up between like people who like sports and people who like Magic the Gathering. Um, and when they're together, you can't even tell because they're united in Christ. But then when you're on the basketball court, you can who the Magic the Gatherer guys are. My best friends. Here is uh, do you feel compelled to share Jesus with people? Do you? Do you feel compelled to faith with people who don't know it? When people ask you about what you did this weekend, Are you compelled to Jesus the world, guys? God's will that any should perish, so select about Andrew worth covering from the other account of the gospel. Um, you know, we've been in John time, but we're gonna we're gonna jump back to uh, those those verses we saw earlier in in Matthew and in, in Mark. But there's this is one last characteristic, and it's how uh, it's how faithful and available he was as a follower of, of Jesus Christ. He was faithful and available when it came to carrying out the mission. Right, but Matthew four and in Mark one again we see that Andrew was amongst the different 
which had taken up the trade of being a fisherman. All right, both of these verses end with, for they were fishermen. Okay? Carry on specifically in Mark. Um, in, in Mark, uh, in verse 17 and 18. If you want to go to that next slide. So we see that there's a conversation. They were testing their net. Um, let me go to that. Okay. 18 says, Me and I will make you come pictures of men. And straightway took the Defined by, by, by previously this world was their and um, he says, inviting you into this process. And at the end of this process, as you're in this process, you're going to be right. Just that men and women are made into new creatures in Christ, and and that's what Jesus is talking about here. All right, and um, you know Andrew, along with Peter, and along with James, and along with John, they would all choose to follow Jesus after hearing this call to discipleship. But um, sometimes I think a thing that's overlooked is this response really required something. It required faith and willingness to be available for something that was completely outside the time and is during this time today. Right? It required that in that moment these men had to believe and choose to do something and follow someone that they had yet had the chance to fully understand. Like in this moment when they're like, all right, we're going to throw down, we're going to forsake our nets, and we're going to do this thing. They didn't know what all was to come. They didn't know what all to expect. They didn't. And that's where faith comes in. That process is something, um, or their faith allowed for that process. And again, that process is the, the, the being made into fishers of men. Their faith allowed it to take at that point, they weren't disciples of Jesus Christ. They would become that. <clears throat> and guys, that process is something that we all know and believe. Discipleship. It's a real process. And for me, You're gonna to get to choose to yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down whatever it is I'm doing. Um, some of you right now in the room that that is membership. Using um, actions that are that are gonna um, discipleship completely changed my life, and I know that's the testimony of many people. Right, um, but it requires willing to move forward in faith. That's what it requires. And sometimes we halt ourselves in moving forward in faith because we don't fully understand everything about that decision. Right? We stop ourselves about, from following Jesus because, wow, I don't know everything that that's going to require me to do. But guys, everything in life is like that. There's not a single thing in life that until you've done it, you understand. You can watch, you know, a sports game on TV all day long, and you can be like, "Oh, I kind of get what that's about." But then when you engage in it, it's like, "Wow, 
actually way different from just what I was expecting. You know, someday you guys are going to pick careers and have jobs, and you're going to be a student for maybe that job or go to a trade school, and, and you're going to get an idea, but then when you actually choose to engage in that job, you're going to find out what true understanding of that thing is. Um, we never escape that, that scenario where we, we don't fully understand until we've done. We never do. Um, in, the, in the case of being a follower of Jesus Christ, which is more purposeful, more important than any other decision that we can make with our lives, um, it is our faith in Jesus Christ that gets us there. That's it. It was Andrew's faith that would in time get him there. So uh, my last key point, key point number three is this. A must be ready and willing to take steps forward in their faith even when they don't fully understand everything they're being called to. And you guys can begin practicing this in your lives today. You can begin practicing all of these things in your lives today. You know, God helps us make sense of things in time. He does. You see that all throughout Scripture, that people don't understand things and then they gain understanding of those things. But a key like point in all of those things is that they stop leaning on their own understanding. Right? God will make sense of things in time for the things in life that we don't understand right now. And oftentimes, almost always, the best way to get a better understanding of Jesus Christ and what he's asking us to do and what he's actually asking us to be a part of um, is, is by actually doing it. It's by picking up the plow and becoming that foot soldier and getting your and taking part in the mission. <clears throat> so, like, I encourage you, follow Jeff and Kylie as the Lord. Do that. You can trust them. You know, listen closely when Brock and when, when Lauren give you it's based on the word. Do that. Follow them as follow the Lord. Be teachable. You know, be obedient. Be willing to share Christ with anybody who would hear what you have to say. And then lastly, be able to take steps forward in faith when you don't fully understand what that's going to be. It will make sense. You know, Andrew Andrew was mentioned only uh, 12 times throughout all of Scripture. Okay? 12 times. But in those mentions, we see that he was humble, that he was faithful, that he was evangelistic, that he was a brother, that he was a student, that he was and that action, as we've seen today, he was a leader. He was a leader. We see that he sought out virtue sanctification in his spiritual life. And above all else, we see that his actions and the whole world now sees in the twelve mentions of that uh, that he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved him. He was willing to do whatever it took to be obedient in following him. And and in Andrew, from Andrew, there's something that all of us can learn and apply uh, to our own lives and our ministry right now. And if nothing else, guys, if nothing else about this study made sense, it's not the case. School students, I I pray and I will continue to pray that can be your time differently. Every single one of them are used differently. And as long as you're ready and willing, as long as you guys are ready and willing, uh, He will use you in the way that He knows you can be used. And, 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 um, and man, for the sake of His glory, you can be used by God.
like at the point in life that you're at today. So that's it. I'll take a step down.